1: Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at ClipIt.tv or check them on Twitter at Clip it TV.
1: You're listening to BGN Radio.
0: Three-man front comes charging, fake handoff, dropping back 5 Foles, launches a long spiral, back at the end zone, far side, leaping two-handed, falling down, catch made by Jeffrey! What a catch! Touchdown, Philadelphia! 34-yard pass! An acrobatic Two-handed falling down, twisting catch in the back of the end zone. He beat Rowe, and the Eagles go up on top, nine to three, late first quarter. And it is episode number 308 of the Bleeding Green Nation podcast right here on BleedingGreenNation.com, BGNRadio.com, and wherever you are listening to us out there, whether that's on SoundCloud or iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Satchel, and the many other podcast podcasts players and uh things of that sort that you're listening to us on if you can rate subscribe and review five star reviews do go a very long way but uh blg do we have an update on exactly where we're at before pizza party town because we were doing pretty good with the actual star ratings on itunes and uh i think we're around like 350 or so with reviews so where are we at right now buddy well, as I stall
1: and look it up here, yes. I do want to mention that uh, there's a chance to actually win a T-shirt for the, our well, that's new right. beautiful, amazing, world champion Eagles BGN radio logo. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. It's yeah. great. That was a great job by our good friend Jimmy D there. Um, it's fantastic, and again, there's a chance to enter. If you want to enter to win one of those free shirts, you can leave a review and a rating. And as a bonus, it does help count towards the a thousand that we need to get for the pizza party. So right now we are six hundred and fifty-six ratings, which is you know good work. It's really good. We're almost. We're almost there at thousand, but we're
0: at three forty eight reviews, so we still have some ways to
1: go in that regard.
0: We do very much so, and also, uh, despite uh, Spotify saying, "Hey, uh, we just we're trying to work on things. We need you to keep tweeting at them at Spotify." Hey, uh, can uh, can you put BGN Radio in our feed? It's been a week now. Uh, I would like to see the BGN radio in the feed uh because we want them to to accept you know SoundCloud and other all sorts of other RSS feeds and things like that but regardless of what happens we are working on getting on that as uh, as well so it has not been a a very eventful week here BLG but certainly uh you had uh, the owners meetings going on and we will certainly touch on what Jeffrey Laurie said and uh, some uh, comments by Doug Peterson and things like that uh, people have been talking about kind of the new rules that are coming in here, BLG. And to, I'm a little concerned. I'm going to be honest. I'm a little concerned because the the simplification of the catch rule was great. It's what we all asked, asked for. And then, uh, of course, uh, Sal Pal made some crap up this week about like, well, you know, they freelanced. Uh, the referees just went out and freelanced because they knew this rule was coming and whatever, uh, which is a ridiculous thing to say. Chris Mortensen also said the same thing, but he goes, I think I would uh, assume it wasn't a full report. So, of course, Patriots fans get there, get get all into tizzy and go, see, now the Philly special doesn't count, and the Corey Clement touchdown shouldn't have counted, we should have won the Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Aside from that, so now it's easy. Every NFL fan will, will be like, great, that is a catch, I don't have to worry about anything, we can celebrate it, we don't have to wait for the reviews, and then they come out with this... Uh, to me, uh, what is what looks like it's just supposed to be a, a targeting rule, which is fine. Like uh, it, it's still a little weird in college, and I think uh, they're getting better at that. It's a very subjective rule, but to, they they pass this thing where it is now. You can have to. Uh, have your head up at all times. You cannot dip. You cannot, you know, go down and and make contact of of any sort. At least that's how I interpret it. And maybe we'll get some more details when it's finally passed. But uh, that opens up a a lot of different things. And yes, a form tackle is supposed to have your face up at all times and you drive somebody into the ground. But if, you know, there's going to be a lot of cross body tackling because maybe you're Catching up to a guy. Maybe you are, uh, you know, getting your ankles broken and you got to re engage and, and go a, di- a different direction and just try anything to stop a, a runner or a wide receiver or whatever. And more importantly, BLJ, does that mean now that LeGarrett Blunt trucking Sendejo for a touchdown? Could that potentially be a penalty now in the NFL? Because I, I wasn't sure how to interpret that rule. Well, that's the problem. We
1: don't know, and we don't even know how it's going to be enforced yet, because that actually hasn't been uh, decided. Like they haven't decided what they're actually going to do to, uh, like if this does happen, like what's it going to be? Is it going to be an injection? Is it going to be a personal foul? Or they they haven't even decided that part yet, so we don't even fully know. And you know, I think about what I've seen on Twitter so far from players. Uh, you saw Schefter report that a player said it made no sense or and you even saw Kamu Guru J. Hill himself tweet like, I don't get it. Like, how are we supposed to tackle now? So that's kind of where I'm at. I don't fully understand it. I'm almost I'm kind of just not fully getting into that yet because I feel like, you know, this hasn't been finalized in the sense of how they're going to enforce it. I think look, obviously the intent is good. There was, you know, a lot of concussions too many concussions in the NFL the past year. It's always going to be a problem. They're always going to try to look at ways to fix that. But I don't know. I don't think there's, I don't think this is necessarily, I don't think there is an easy answer. And I don't think if, and if there is, I don't think it's this. So I now look, I think anytime there's like a rule change like this, I think people are prone to overreact and be like, Oh, this is going to change everything. I would never do that. A lot of the time. I would never do that. Yeah, it
0: doesn't. (laughs) So I'm not, I'm not going to overreact to this just yet uh and and i i'm not either it's just it's more or less just questions that i have about it now and it, like i said if it's just the targeting rule great uh i you know i think that that when uh, juju smith didn't get penalized uh, for his hit and then doing the standover move, which I still think was great. And then, of course, you know, Vontez Perfect and a, basically anything that is involved, the, the Bengals or uh, or the Steelers at any point in the last, I don't know, 10 years is is probably getting looked at here. And I'm only bringing all this things, all these things up because Jeffrey Laurie spoke this week and uh, uh, Brandon, he's one of us. That's what I think. I mean, I couldn't believe how many times that Jeffrey Lurie referenced like rewatching the Super Bowl this week and said like I still get nervous uh, when Zach Ertz is, goes on in that fourth and one conversion. I, I keep telling myself, oh my god, if they don't convert this, we're screwed. And uh, oh, uh, and he is truly like one of the best owners in Philadelphia. He always was, and it's nice that he kind of is opening up more and more of a shell because. He always did the State of the Union stuff every year. Uh, It's just now that all of the attitude and all of the, the trying to get to a Super Bowl and finally winning one, and now it's here. All of the things that you remember that he, he was saying in the past about the golden standard and, uh, you know, how they're trying to achieve every year. Uh, it's, it's good to great, good to great. All, all of those sayings, like he did, in fact, really much care. And I know we touched on it a couple of months ago, but it didn't feel like that back in. You know, 2000, 2001, 2004, whatever, even though, uh, you know, he's the one that goes out and says, yeah, let's go totally go get T.O. Let's go get a Super Bowl. Let's go do all these different things uh, and, and try and win it. And it's nice to have just a little bit of a connection there uh, with the uh, with the owners meeting, says he's sharing those stories. And of course, we're still crying in front of everybody that we realize that, too. Uh, it doesn't have to be Nick Foles. It doesn't have to be an Eagles player. People walk up to Jeffrey Lurie and just go, I love you, man. And uh, I'd be doing the same thing. I'm right in that that same boat with you. So the uh, the biggest thing, of course, is we always talk about every single off season. It seems like, uh, and I'm tying it into that new NFL rule is they are dragging their sorry ass feet, BLG, about this Kelly Green alternate uniform that. I desperately want, that Jeffrey Laurie desperately wants, that a lot of people, I would say the older generation of Eagles fans really want Kelly Green back in here and everybody's like, well, they won the Super Bowl with Midnight Green, so never change it again. Let me just say this. The color has changed even in Midnight Green seven or eight different times because of manufacturing or just time or whatever. It's not even the original Midnight Green uh, that that new uh, era started with here, but are we ever going to see Midnight Green or, or see, I'm already tripping myself up. Are we ever going to see Kelly Green BLG in Philadelphia again? I think we
1: are not as the main jersey, or at least I'm not counting on that. I, I mean, I wish it, I wish I was wrong about that. But I think uh, the the plan is to bring it back as an alternate at first. That's what Lurie is continuing to say. And it, it's just weird, like. You see, people question this all the time. Like, I posted the article all, or all this week about Lurie's comments on the Kelly Green, and people were like, why can't they just get a second helmet? And apparently, it has to do with. Uh, concussions and the, the helmet not being as good but I, I don't know Like, does that make sense to you or no. anyone like shouldn't like shouldn't this be way more simple than it's being made out to be like you just get the thing you get the second helmet like Lurie was saying there are teams that don't want a second helmet like why would teams be opposed to adding a second helmet like I could get <laughs> a team didn't want to add their own that's fine you don't have to add your own you can just stick with your one but like what are the teams who do so I don't know that seems kind of it's just seems it all feels too weird to me like it feels like it should not be this complicated but it is and i would love to see kelly green back i think it's a lot of fun i think back to when we last saw it in 2010 with with Vic and that game and i look back at the photos of that game and i just think it
0: looks so awesome uh i would love to see it back so would i and uh, mainly because of that that argument of they never won anything with it. They only won anything in that before the yeah. Super Bowl. 1960, people. That was it. That was the last time that you saw a championship in Philadelphia football. That was it. So there was history there of a winning team. And then it just disappeared once you got into the 70s. They went to the Super Bowl in them in the 80s. It wasn't like, you know, uh, up until they won this Super Bowl, everybody was saying like, well, at least it was a winning culture and things like that. It was like, yeah. Yeah we're still doing it when when Bunny Ryan was around and I know that's not Kelly Green anymore that's more like the you know, personally that's still the best logo that they ever had uh, is during that Buddy era in the early or, or uh, late 80s and early 90s I thought that was really cool to see but yeah, I just don't understand it. And I think it's a hypersensitivity because, you know, when you're getting sued by the by every single player, uh, former player in the NFL and you have concussion problems and you're trying to be hyper aware of all of that, anything that could lead to like, well, hey, uh, you know, you guys changed helmets on me and I didn't have any say in that. The owner wanted that and it actually affected my health. That's what's holding, I think, a lot of this up, and we're just going to have to wait and see. I eventually do think it's going to come at some point. I mean, it has to. We would, if if we're talking about what we spent on the Super Bowl and all of that, uh, like the, the gear for it, uh, I, I can tell you alone, I'm probably... I don't know somewhere around three or four hundred dollars and and of just ridiculous like yes of course I need a a pint glass with it says Super Bowl champions on it and the uh the, yeah I'll take the zip up hoodie if you put Kelly Green on all of that stuff too he got me for at least another three four hundred bucks so just from an owner's perspective if, if we're gonna eat all that stuff up and all of those that are very reluctant to it I think will come around once there's like a modernized Kelly Green alternate that is there and it would be a great thing to see uh you you know, when uh, when Kirk Caviar kind of uh, comes in uh, to uh, Philadelphia for the opening game to see some see some nice Kelly Green as, a, as an homage to it. So uh, that aside, I mean, there wasn't uh, a, a ton other than, uh, you know, Jeffrey was kind of ducking questions about the, the White House visit. Personally, I don't think they're going to go. I just don't think they're going to go. Uh, and it's pretty obvious why they probably won't go because of what uh, their locker room kind of represented and what that White House represented to them. And there's a little bit of clash there and obviously Jeffrey Laurie is not on uh, that side of the White House so people are probably going to get upset about that no matter what I'm guessing BLG oh yeah absolutely that's a guarantee yeah so uh, whatever it was that uh, and most the, the most important thing that I think Jeffrey kind of mentioned through that is the self-awareness and BLG I don't know if you were blown away with this at all or not when he goes and says Um, When was the question I think that was asked was, when are you going to when did you meet up with with Doug and and Howie and Joe and everybody on like, all right, what are we going to do next? They met the very next day, the very next day after the Super Bowl, like they haven't even sipped the the champagne. They haven't even had a a nice mimosa brunch. And Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson are all sitting together the next morning, taking notes and going, hey, guys, that was great. What can we do better? <laughs> I'm like, like, oh, my God, you didn't even enjoy the moment for for 12 hours. You just went, and they're like, this was great. Let's uh, not sleep, and then we'll meet down here for breakfast and figure out how we go win another one of these things. Uh, I know I probably shouldn't be surprised by that because they're already behind uh, by winning the Super Bowl, but completely blown away uh, from uh, all of that and also just – him uh saying to everybody the nfc is tough and it is tough you've got you know uh, sue is now in, in with the rams everybody's kind of ramping up here are, are you getting a little nervous at, at this point blg that like hey there's going to be a large target on this on this team's back and there's a lot of a lot of moves that are happening to try and dethrone these guys um, I'm getting a little nervous. I'm not, you know, it's my confidence isn't wavering on what this team is, but certainly you just look around the NFC and it's going to be dominant. Like it is going to be the Super Bowl game before the Super Bowl for, I would say, the next five or six, seven years uh, that we have, you know, looking at Carson Wentz in an Eagles uniform.
1: Yeah, I love Larry's comments, first of all, about being obsessed with going back because that's where I'm at, too. That's how I feel. When the Eagles won Lombardi, I was like, all right, now they need to go back, And especially because of all those injured players last year with J.P. and Carson, and you want to see... Not only do you want to see those guys get another one, but you want to, like, you have this opportunity here. Again, I always say this wasn't a team like the Denver Broncos, I guess is a good example, where, you know, they, their window was limited because you had Peyton Manning. He was clearly... Uh, ready to retire, or he's clear at the end of his career. And you got that Super Bowl, and, you know, he moved on. And okay. And then you had that defense, which is great, and they stole pieces from that. But a lot of those guys had to move on from the Super Bowl as well. With the Eagles, like that large core is still intact here. So you have to feel like, okay, this shouldn't just be a one run team it's kind of i guess liken it to the phillies back you know when they made their world series run like there was no reason why they couldn't win more at that point and they kept adding more to maximize that window and unfortunately it didn't work out but i think the eagles see this window here for them to just continue to take cracks at this thing and try to be the next Patriots. like that should be the goal and to be even better than them ideally and they were in the super bowl which they won <laughs> by the way is that true but, i have to look uh, that up It's very true, and I I like the comments, and yeah, and I like the realization, too. I like the honesty that, look, the NFC is packed, and that's why you can't just sit back and kind of enjoy the Super Bowl win and be like, okay... You know, we we have a lot of guys on our roster who we like, and, and that's fine. No, like, this is why you have to go out and make the Michael Bennett trade and bring in Holodi Nada, not Nagata, <laughs> and and, you know, bring in those guys and make those moves and be aggressive and, you know, find ways to get better during the draft as well, so uh i think that's i like those comments a lot and i'm not really scared of anyone i wouldn't say i'm getting nervous just because not only because the eagles won the super bowl but you look at the sustainability of what got them there i think doug peterson is arguably one of the best coaches in the nfl right now i have a lot of confidence in doug peterson i have a lot of confidence in carson wentz now we'll obviously see how where he is with the injury and doug for what it's worth did say he's ahead of schedule and he said he's quote unquote very encouraged by Wentz's progress so I'm feeling good about that I don't for me in my head I don't see him missing a lot of time if any in the regular season so you have one of the best head coaches in the NFL you have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL oh and you had a defense last year that generated the most pressure in the league and arguably the pass rush might be even better by adding Bennett and we'll see what happens with him obviously and not a and you have the opportunity to bring on some more guys through the draft as well. So to me, I'm not really scared of anyone. No one scares me. I think it's tough. I, I'm, I have no illusions that it's not that it's going to be a, a tough conference to crack. But to me, I mean, the Eagles are at the very worst. They're one of the six, top six teams in this
0: conference. I think they're making the playoffs again at least. Yeah, I think that's kind of more the. Uh, I never want to say anything's a cakewalk. It seems like a cakewalk to me, uh, just in the division alone because it's it's um, it's bad, gang. They're they're having bad off seasons. It's just uh, there's this full draft ready to go. And sure the Dallas Cowboys have ten picks and blah blah blah. But well, you know, I i I feel pretty good about that. I am scared, and I think it's good to be scared. And it looks dog. it looks like there is. Uh, you know, Lori and Howie and all the rest are looking at it. And go, we need to get better quickly now, right now. Uh, just like uh, BLG was explaining there, I think it's good to be nervous. I think it's good to be looking ahead towards that. And again, like it's just like I said, the AFC is on its way out you know it's it's going to be the weakest conference for a while now unless there's some miracle in this draft where you know Josh Allen really takes the Jets and <laughs> I don't know performs a miracle or whoever it is or you know it's uh, or if it's Sam Donald in the uh, in the uh, Cleveland. But to me it's it's the NFC and it's it's you're fighting for every little niche to get ahead of the Vikings and the Rams and the Saints and the Panthers and who else whoever else I'm I'm forgetting in that group there, but they do need to get better. The Super Bowl is done and over. It is not as simple as saying, Well, they won the Super Bowl, so of course they're the best team coming in, which they are. I mean everybody's gotta go and dethrone them, but um and and when it's specifically the Rams for me. Only because everybody just kind of sets it aside and says, yeah, they have this two-year window. They're trying to go all in. And they are. They certainly are. And everybody just screams... It feels very dream teamish, and you can say that, uh, but it, it rarely it's does a situation like the Eagles went through in 2011 really happen. Those aren't five-year deals. They got to deal with guys that are assholes in the locker room for one year and then two years, and then that's pretty much it. And then you can assess what's going on after that. Not only that, but it's also Wade Phillips, who um, you know has already worked with Talib, who has worked with egos and things and disruptments like Marcus Peters and Sue and whatever. If they they keep winning, there will be no locker room issues. Uh, it is not as simple as like they are just their head cases and it will blow up in front of their face. If they start losing, absolutely. And then you don't have to worry about them. You can set them to the side. I guess this is the 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 argument that we always tend to have uh, as fans of what happened and how did that Super Bowl win. Is it team chemistry? Absolutely it was. There's a big part of that. But uh, just like we talked about last episode, I still kind of lean on it really is talent at the end of the day that can get you from good to great as uh, Jeffrey Lurie has been saying for uh, for a long time there. PLG, there's some other things that were uh, going there's around. There's some breaking news, John. Whoa, what do we got? I can't believe this is finally happening,
1: but Anquan Bolden is signing with the Eagles. Shut you up. you seen this from Alex Marvez? No, he's not. Are you kidding me? Look at Alex Marvez's timeline. Are April you
0: sh- Oh, come on! It's April 1st! <laughs> it's not even April 1st. It is April 1st. <laughs> God dang but it! But there, is some, there saying, is some real
1: news. <laughs> Alright, what do we got? Uh, Jalen Watkins is going to the Chargers on a one-year deal. So uh, James Seltzer uh, will be very, and probably you, John, yeah, be very glad to know he is gone. Thank goodness.
0: I got so excited that Anquan Bolden decided to be like, yeah, I'll go play one more year. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? We'll just do this real quick. Uh, okay, so uh, Jalen Watkins is uh, down, and it is not going to affect their secondary depth as uh, there's still uh, a, a lot of lot of things to go in and out of there. But I was leading into what Doug's takeaways were from. You had mentioned Wentz already and that he's ahead of schedule. I almost think that they're going to have to like, you know, I, I don't know, stab him in the uh, the good leg and just say, slow down, slow down, because he's wanted, he's he desperately, at least to me, wants to be there for week one and he's going to try everything to get to week one even if he's not exactly 100%, but if he feels good to go, I feel like that's where Wentz's mentality is. Uh, Sproles' return, he mentioned, is possible, and I even saw uh, some people from the Kansas City Star mention that uh, you know he's back to about 100% and is still uh, weighing his options on uh, where it is he wants to go or when he's going to be ready for it, but he, he definitely wants to play again. Um, and then he also mentioned... A lot of people that are going to be stepping up in year two. Uh, mentioned Matt Collins, mentioned Sidney Jones, which I think is in uh, two obvious answers there for you, BLG. But um, are those the two guys that you're looking at that are going to step up in year two for this Eagles team?
1: I think they're the most obvious names. I think it's kind of harder now for a little bit for Matt Collins, given that they signed Mike Wallace. That's going to not completely get him stuck on the bench. There's going to be an opportunity for playing time for Matt Collins still. But you know, I do think it certainly—if you know—it it doesn't help him. And then with Sidney Jones, the opportunity is there. And look, the Eagles said this guy was a top ten talent on their board. And I know you are very high on him, John. I was very high on him. <laughs> yeah, we were all injury. very high, of course. But, like, I'm not going to just assume he's a a starter this year. Like, I can't do that yet. Like, Jim Schwartz loves Jalen Mills. Like, he's not just sending Jalen Mills to the bench. It's not happening. And they still have Ronald Darby. He's here for now. And I don't think they traded a third for Darby just to put him on the bench either. So... Sidney Jones is going to have to earn his role and that's good. I think he should have to, he's coming in here he's a lot to prove coming off that injury. Uh, you know, is he the same player after that injury? Cause it's, it's not an insignificant injury. So we'll see, he's young. There's a lot of potential there. I think those are the two obvious names. Um, if we're looking at guys like that, you could also look at, you know, like does Donald Pumphrey step up? And to me, The easy answer for my expectation is no. But given the unlikeliness of Nelson Aguilar turning around after just being so bad the first two years, like just literally one of the worst wide receivers in the NFL to go from that to what he did last year to being arguably one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. I can't fully and just the whole underdog thing last year of all those players who we were kind of like, all right, Jason Kelsey probably doesn't have it. Uh, I can you can just go through his whole speech for the examples (laughs) there were were a number of players that we didn't expect as much from so with Donald Pumphrey am I really I I, I can't honestly tell you that I feel like he's going to turn it around but because of all that and I saw that happening last year can I roll it out? No. So you're looking at guys like him, some of those second year players, even like a Nate Gary I think is interesting because you look at that weak side linebacker spot and I really do believe they are going to move on from Michael Kendricks and they brought in Corey Nelson and he could be the guy but I think they still like Nate Gary I mean they spent a fifth on him, that's not a super high commitment but it's not nothing either and they transitioned him from safety to linebacker for a reason I think he looked very good in coverage in practices last year that we were there for, John and uh, I think you know giving him an off season to kind of bulk up and having that year under his belt, learning that new position could help him. So there's a lot of interesting young guys here. And then another guy they mentioned, Nate Sudfeld, like they, Doug said, they want to see how he develops in this scheme. Can he prove to be not only, you know, like a a viable third string guy, but a guy that you can really count on if it, if there's a a full trade opportunity comes up or, you know, if you're looking beyond this year and you're looking, Hey, we need this long-term backup for Wentz is Nate Sudfeld really the guy. So that'll be fun. That's the, the fun part of the off season when you're watching these OTAs and these training camp practices and all that, you're kind of keeping an eye because you already know what the guys who can do who have been here, the established guys. You're looking at those young guys to see if okay, what can these guys bring to the table? And sometimes you train camp and all those practices don't paint the full picture because you have your your Nate browns who really you know look good in practice, but sometimes you have your Nelson Aguilar who came in last spring and he looked awesome and he continued that throughout the season. So we'll see shortly enough here.
0: I think we're going to have – I'm making make a prediction right now that we're going to have a, a semi like, oh, the people that fl- that were very hesitant on trading Nick Foles at the beginning, of, you know, r- during this period right now or even after the deadline or uh, – uh, not the deadline, but after the draft, they're going to get to see Nate Sudfeld in some preseason games early on and go like, oh, man, I feel really comfortable with him being the number two. You can trade Foles now. And I, I think he is going to take a, a very big leap just based on – what everybody's been kind of saying, and they might just be doing that for trade purposes. But, uh, I mean, I, I, I will say I've been blown away by Nate Sudfeld's development in the past even seven, eight months, just from what you've been able to see, and then talking to people and being like, hey, he does that in practice every day. Uh, I didn't expect him to ever be close to a QB two in this league, because once again, I've had like a broken record. It didn't show up at all when you're watching this kid play in college. But the mobility and the big arm, uh, it's exactly what they need in this offense. It's all, you know, and every single QB two a degree can uh, do that. And you add, you know, Mike Wallace and a couple of different weapons in there. It's it, it, it. Oddly enough, uh, good weapons help out QBs, and I think Nate Sudfeld, along with Doug Peterson and the rest of this thing, like BLG, always says, I would have pretty good confidence if he needed to go in there and and try and win you a, a, a ball game. So I think that's certainly one. And in terms of like people that were in the doghouse, that you don't exactly think uh, are, are going to step up in year two. I still think Shelton Gibson belongs in that. Uh, crew as well. I mean, we've seen a lot of people with drop in their first year uh, get better and corrected and it looked like he did throughout practices throughout the year when he was on there. He finally earned a spot on the special teams. Still a ways to go with him too. I think it's going to be a fun little uh, battle uh, between him and Ah, uh, Greg Ward and and, uh, and a lot of different people for maybe that fifth wide receiver spot or that sixth wide receiver spot if they end up doing that. And uh, Doug yeah. brought that up specifically too. He'd even mentioned
1: like Bryce Triggs and all those guys.
0: Yeah. Oh, and I forget Bryce is back here again. So again, it's like it, yeah. it's going to be a little bit of a tougher competition as as per usual. But uh, I, I really want to see how that thing shakes out. And yeah, Greg Ward, man, I I unnecessarily love that kid (laughs) like I think he's great I I so badly want him to be a slot receiver in the NFL because he would be a lot of fun he's quick he's got good hands uh you know there's there's still certainly a lot of things to work on when you're converting from QB to wide receiver and we definitely saw that during training camp last year but he's got the skills to be really annoying uh and you know just like god damn it you know there's Greg Ward he got another first down uh I think he has that potential for sure too so um it's going to be going to be a lot of fun uh, to see that also uh I don't know what exactly is going to happen now because uh uh Nagata is here and uh ah. and I, I, Elijah Qualis is another interesting one now that Bo Allen is is left and sure they they filled that role but if there's injury if there is you know, just in, in rotation alone where he can bring you a little something, something. And he was more of a two-gapper. And uh, this is more of an attack style type of uh, system that Jim Schwartz runs. Uh, I'd, I'd really like to see him. And you mentioned Nate Gary as well. They, lo- I mean, Jim Schwartz loves Nate Gary. Uh, I haven't figured out why, but there's there's a reason to that. You mentioned the coverage skills uh, which he should have as a safety, and uh, it makes it a little easier when you're playing linebacker. And everybody knows that the hybrid linebacker safety thing has been going on for a while ever since they drafted Dion Cannon, the truest eagle uh, out there in Arizona. But uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of potential interesting things that could happen in in and we forget sometimes they're just still hanging out here on the roster. So uh, a lot of a lot of good. Battles that'll that'll be happen, but most of all, Hall of Famer Mac Hollins being a Z wide receiver is exactly what uh, we want to see there. So Doug also mentioned that it's you know it and it is it's a deep tight end class from a lot of different skill sets too. You got a lot of traditional guys, you got a lot of hybrid guys, and then you're you know your playmaking and wide receiver types that are all in this class. Uh, Kuyper has, uh, the Eagles taking, what is it again? Bld Dallas, uh, I Dallas was, Goddard, Goddard. Yeah. Dallas, Dallas sucks. I, Goddard. <laughs> I always want to say Gogurt for some reason or just, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of Dallas funnier. Gogurt, uh, who I trust me. I, I like, and uh, I think 32 would be uh, ridiculous for that. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a, a, another one of those guys that is, I think has shot up a lot of people's boards and has all of the potential in the world to be uh, a Zach ertz type of uh, tight end there, but um, I, I don't know. I don't see the like must-have need. I see him uh, as tight end one on a lot of boards, too. Uh, and, and I don't think that's I don't know. I, I would rather have, uh, you know, Gusecki or somebody like that. It's more of a, a playmaker if you're going to go that route, but certainly understand why. I I don't think tight end at, at 32 makes a lot of sense, BLG, but there's a, a ton of different straight ahead Brent Selick's that are, you know, in the f- third, fourth, fifth, sixth round of this draft. Is that where you see like tight ends kind of going for them?
1: Yeah, I think you even look at the visits they're having here. You're seeing like a Chris Herndon come in. You're seeing some of these late or day three guys, tight ends come in. I think, uh, see, the more I think about it, I just don't think 32 really makes sense at all for a tight end. And uh, look, you know, you don't always just go off on need, but I look at Zach Ertz, you know, he's, he's not, they're not looking for a long-term replacement for Zach Ertz, and you can be like, oh, we'll just do a lot of two tight end sets. Okay, the problem with that is, to me, like, who are you taking off the field at that point? Are you taking Mike Wallace off the field? You can't. Yeah. I mean, not that because Mike Wallace is such an amazing player, but you need your deep threat out there, and you need, uh, are you taking Nelson Aguilar off? No. Like, he's been a great weapon in the slot, and obviously, Austin is your number one receiver, so you're not taking him off. So I don't really see the need for that much two tight end sets, and in theory, it sounds nice, sure, but I, you look at the playing time from last year. I heard somebody played it about... of the snaps. Nice. Uh, Brent Selig was at 40%. And then Trey Burton was at 25%. And both of those guys had a little more playing time than they usually would have because Ertz missed two games and then he didn't really play a lot in the final game against Dallas that was meaningless. So I just don't see the playing time really justifying a first round pick at that spot. Um, it just and I like what number target is that guy going to be in the offense? Like wouldn't you think those guys I just mentioned like Aguilar and Alshon and Ertz, at the very least are ahead of him. So you're you're taking like a first round pick on at best your fourth target and arguably not even that because you have Wallace and some of these other guys and Matt Collins that you're mixing in there. So I just don't see it for me there. Uh, I could see it, them. They're definitely going to add at least a tight end or two. I think they still sign a guy, maybe in free agency. I was kind of we were talking about that earlier this week, John. And the free agent class is obviously thinning out. You're seeing Levine Tololo sign with the Lions, and there's there's not a ton he left. Nobody there. You may be looking at Mercedes Lewis, um, you know, and then it's just a lot of a whole lot of nothing after that, which is fine. You're just asking. You're really just looking for someone. Like, you know, maybe you bring Brent Selleck back. It's one of our mailbag questions. I don't I don't know the exact plan there at this point. But, I mean, it's really not hard to find a blocking tight end. I think that's really just kind of what they need to do. They'll get that guy at some point. It doesn't really – I don't think it matters a ton who it is exactly. But
0: Dunham yeah. Smythe from Nor- uh, Notre Dame. Uh, between him I, – him I like.
1: The other name that is interesting to me in this class – is Hayden Hurst because yeah. people love like some like kind of Tommy Lawler really likes him and some other people really like him but what he's going to be like what like 26 or like 25 <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, uh, yeah 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 kind of like oh, all right let's just uh just uh, just so you know I'm looking at this right now this is coming from uh, sharpfootballstats.com and it has all the personnel charts I this is the only thing I disagree with they ran 12 and 13 personnel Thirty-three percent of the time last year—that was good enough for three hundred and forty-seven snaps out of a possible. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't see the totals uh, anywhere from here. But um, uh, oh no, wait. Out of a thousand snaps, so yeah, so like a third. Yeah, a third. They ran a third of the time with at least two tight ends and and two or three tight ends on the field. So uh, yeah, I know that. It's well. What are you going to do with this guy and this guy and this guy? But they did it before. They've done it already with with Trey Burton and with Brent Selleck, who's you know wasn't even used there in passing place. I can see them increasing that and decreasing their eleven personnel or whatever uh, when they when they end up doing that. But I, I I get it. I understand. It's not you know it's it's not an invalid point. It's just if you have a a wide receiver who is a kind of a semi deep threat, and it would really depend on where they're at on the field. I mean, if you're driving in and you're on your own 30, yeah, you want Mike Wallace on there for at least the the idea, the threat of that coming in. But once you get past your own 50, you can pretty much do anything uh, that you want and still have uh, – he, he can still be on the field in, in some of those packages too, so – I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world, but I still tend to agree with BLG. I think 32's got a lot more uh, sexier things going into it, and then it might end up being a very sexy offensive tackle, uh, something like that. But uh, that's the thing I haven't figured out yet. I have no direction where they're going. Or uh, they could kind of surprise us, and maybe that is a running back there. I don't know. Maybe that is Ronald Jones or Darius Geis or something like that. Uh, that happens to there with that said, because I know there is a, uh, a couple of questions that are coming in and, uh, we're going to do this uh, a little bit, uh, each and every week during the off season, as we usually do, because sometimes there's just not enough to talk about. And, uh, you guys give us uh, some great, uh, talking points, uh, here. So we'll start with our good friend, uh, Lowness. BLG. If you had to drink one beer for the rest of your life, which one would it be?
1: I was going to say mad elf. ah, That's good. I wasn't even going to go that direction. Now I'm reconsidering. It really fits me because, you know, obviously it's strong. It's good. It tastes good. I like it. It reminds me of the holidays. Good times. Um, It has to be
0: between Mad Elf and Blue Moon. (laughs) That's... That's so far off the spectrum of like I where I thought you were going to go. But, uh, yeah, I could see But it's that. so refreshing. It's just like you need, like yeah. a, I don't know. I just like Blue Moon. I would say Le Chouf Blonde is the beer that I could die happy with for the rest of my life. I'm obsessed with it. I just, you know, you can find it in the big the big liter bottles at uh, probably all the PA uh, fine wine and spirit stores or whatever their beer distributors. Oh, yeah, they wouldn't be there. They'd be at the beer distributor. So, uh, Le Chouf. Blondale is uh, where I would die happy. This come from Jonathan Marshall. If Selleck doesn't sign elsewhere, could you see a cheap re-signing at a vet minimum, or is that ship kind of already sailed? I personally think it's already sailed, BLG. Uh, If anything, if they, for some reason, don't get any of the tight ends that they like in this draft, I could see it then, but only then.
1: I think I agree. I, the thing with me with that is, like, why couldn't they have just agreed to a pay cut in the first place? You know what I mean? If they really were going to bring him back like that, it just seems kind of weird, too, because they already gave him, like, a send-off. And, and like, hey, he's back. Like, I don't know. That seems kind of weird. I just, yeah. to me, in my mind, he's kind of gone. It's almost not an option. Uh,
0: will you, this is coming from uh, Jit, uh, to uh, Jit, to tweet, when will, you, uh, when will you donate your orbital bones to Joel Embiid? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, if that means that he can be healthy, wealthy, and wise for the playoffs, uh, I think I heard Derek Bodner on the midday show with uh, James and the crew in there mention that it, it at, at worst, it's four weeks, so uh, mm-hmm. I, I think you're going to see Joel Embiid in a face mess in the playoffs. I'm not, I'm not too worried about it yet.
1: I think Joel Embiid could play blind, and he would still be better than
0: Jalil O'Connor. <laughs> Very fair point, and I 100% agree. Uh, this is from the e-creator. How do you see Howie getting back into day two, BLG?
1: Yeah, so I had kind of I did a post today on the Eagles draft picks in this class on bleedinggreenation.com, and I had mentioned in there that I have a hard time seeing how he not picking in day two somehow. And someone was like, yeah, but how's he going to do that? And I'm like, oh, that's really not that hard. I think you <laughs> look at, you. well, the obvious option is either trading back from 32, which is, you know, pretty as basic as you can get to get into that day two, although you're giving up your day one spot. Or maybe you're looking at something like. Uh, I was kind of musing. You, you take Michael Hendricks and maybe you take one of your two fourth round picks and you trade that to move up into like the mid to late second round at best or an early day three pick, something like that. I think how he's going to find some kind of way, just like we trust him to take care of the cap. I I trust him to find a way to at least get one day two selection.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, I I... I I don't – and the honest answer is I really don't know. The other thing that I think I took away from uh, all of everybody speaking is they're still going to be aggressive. They're still going to be aggressive. Is it in any possible way, BLG, that they will find a way to trade up in the first round?
1: I don't think so. I are they think going to be that how aggressive? Even said at the owners' meetings this week that like they want more picks and to to do that I don't I don't think they trade up in the first round this year. Um, another thing to keep in mind if we're talking about trading up into day two is that they have their well they're projected we, we don't know officially but they're projected to get an extra fourth in with the compensatory pick next year and an extra sixth as well so maybe you're more willing to part with a fourth next year in addition to packing the, packaging something like that with another fourth this year or there's options. There's They don't have shortage of options. I mean this year they only have six picks so it's not great but next year they're going to have their full set of picks plus an extra seventh from the Broncos plus the two compensatory picks so they'll be fine as of next year which is hey, it's pretty good for a team that's Supposedly mortgages their future to get Carson Wentz.
0: <laughs> Yeah not too bad not too shabby At all uh this is Being backed up by Jake Evans is The realest question of all time It comes from Han Solo 619 BLG do you put your socks Or pants on first Oh well first of all I thought this
1: If this is coming from Han Solo I, I thought It was going to be who shot first but Um <laughs> but, uh, Socks or pants on First okay uh well,
0: that, yeah i'm a pants guy too i was gonna say like, yeah definitely who pants puts first. their socks on first weirdos weirdos and more weirdos
1: now i think i can find a situation where socks might make sense for me because uh i think dress socks sometimes um get a little stingy i think i Yeah, like I'll put the pants on, and it's kind of hard to roll up the pants at that point, you know, because it's like a formal pants, uh, and they kind of, and the dress socks are a little bit long, so I kind of can't pull them up all the way as much as I need to. Maybe that, but uh, it
0: has to be pants. Yeah, the only acceptable way is like where BLG is saying, if you're wearing formal wear for the evening, you don't want to wrinkle your pants, you don't want to. Uh, right you know you burst a button open do whatever uh, special uh, situation yeah like i am the socks and shoes are the very last thing that i put on one because i don't most of the time i'm just getting out of the shower so i want those bad boys to be nice and dry so there isn't any uh uh defer, like you know uh what am i what am i trying to say stick them i guess there's like it becomes harder to put your socks on uh if they you know if they're wet right away so i don't know uh, I, I always put pants on and, you know, the, the whole get up, you do the hair, you comb the beard, you do all that stuff. And then and then the last thing before you exit the door is is socks and then shoes. And then you move on from that. Uh, this is coming from Deuce is wild. Assuming all salary is uh, being equal. Is there a player on another team you would target in a full trade? We've heard big packages. But is there a player that you would want on this team right now uh, that you would just swap player for player there, BLG?
1: I can't think of a name. Uh, I think if we're so if we're going like position
0: here, that's probably better. Huh? Yeah, I said that's probably a better way to answer it because I don't know anybody off the top of my head either. Yeah, I mean, well, like, who are you even trading Nick Foles to at this point?
1: Like, maybe the Dolphins, like, if they strike out on getting a quarterback in the draft, I don't think they're really in love with Tannehill. And and I think you look at uh, the general manager and, and even Gase down there, maybe kind of feeling like they're on the hot seat and they, like, have to do something.
0: But, like, who do the Dolphins have? Foles, that, oh, maybe Foles- they Foles... Should- Foles Trade for, for Jay Yeah, that's falls Foles for Cameron Wake. I don't see the problem uh, in any of that. Uh, yeah. I tell you what, I would do. I'm trying to go over their roster right now.
1: Although uh, that's, uh, that's do they have like a linebacker or like a tight end. I don't know.
0: Um, Not really that anybody kind of sticks out
1: I think if you traded Foles and there was a player involved It would probably be kind of more of like a Marcus Johnson type Like where the pick is the most valuable thing And then like oh here's like this kind of fringe
0: player Yeah like Laramie Tunsil. Like let's do a fourth and Foles for Tunsil And just have him back up Jason Peters That sounds sounds like a fun plan to me Ah, get get Stoutland in there. I think that is pretty much it for the questions, and it is. So, BLG, another off-season pod in the books. Any uh, final thoughts as we're rolling out here, pal? Final thoughts
1: are, you know, let's get those iTunes reviews and ratings up as always. I wanted to rip the Vikings fans real quick for still... Complaining. I mean, I'm not going to get into it super. It's just like, just stop. That's all I have to say. Just stop. Just stop complaining. You're just making it worse on yourselves. It's ridiculous. You're writing this article based on some guy that I've never heard of, and like no one else is picking this up that the NFL is investigating fan content. Like, just stop. Stop. You lost. You're probably going to lose in the season opener, too. Just get used to continuing to lose and then being mocked as well. And you don't even own your chant anymore. The The Sixers fans <laughs> were chanting it at the Sixers game. It was Mark first game. I mean, Fultz. Vikings fans. Foltz, yeah. Yeah, just taking the, the most L's possible. And I have decided the hashtag for this podcast it is... It is an obvious choice it is hashtag
0: Dallas gogurt Dallas gogurt is the obvious one uh, and once uh, once again we always thank you for listening uh, as well we've got some really cool patreon stuff that we just started as well uh, Benjamin Solek from the Kisten Solek show which is has a, another three to you know, five million episodes a week in the offseason because they keep crushing it over there has now launched in the $10 tier his behind the curtain series where he literally will go over One prospect and one game for 29 to 30 minutes. Uh, I know that's a real big gap, 29 to 30 minutes. I I just know the last one was 29 minutes. So about 30 minutes of... In depth game breakdown of NFL prospects that fit the Eagles. And this uh, week he did uh, Tyler Crosby, and it was phenomenal. I learned so much more about him and his game and what he's got to work on, what his strengths are. uh, And Ben goes over the whole thing of that. There's plenty of stuff. The Beast is now up from Vince Quinn, along with the fourth quarter. And uh, we will be doing Eagle After Dark as soon as James Seltzer is done moving into his house because he's killing himself uh, and uh, running all over the place. So it'll be a lot of fun there. But patreon.com slash bgn radio. We thank you as always for all the support here uh, and everywhere else that you can find us. The uh, new logo is up. That means there's new t shirts up in our tea Public store, which you can find on the website bgnradio.com. And this has been bgn radio number 308 right here on bleedinggreennation.com and bgnradio.com. We'll see you guys.
1: Stretch your hand and I'm going to chop it all. How dare you ask for a favor from your boss's boss? Shrimp, scampi, angel head noodles, white wine sauce. Rwanda Diana Ross, reload the Nina Ross. Settle metal when I'm focused on the green nettle. Hocus Pocus, Gucci locust cake with baking soda. Cake for soldiers moving weight from Maine to Nova Scotia. Bang revolvers, problem solvers, and pain to mothers. Lost a child, clips to play when they have a loud. Nightmares, walking dead cause they sleepy pig. You either sheep or shit, be scared to cut
0: the since there was a debate yesterday, vanilla or chocolate ice cream? Or vanilla or just chocolate fun. frosty, I guess is what the actual debate was. But I people were yelling at vanilla, and I didn't enjoy people yelling at vanilla because vanilla is delicious. We're talking about just like vanilla, plain, no chips
1: in it. Yeah, nothing. No chocolate. Just vanilla. Um, oh, man. I mean, if it's just plain. And usually, I probably wouldn't just get that. I might have to go chocolate. Oh, but man. if I can have French vanilla, I'm taking French vanilla over both of those. Or vanilla I think bean. French vanilla
0: is very underrated as an ice cream flavor. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot richer. And you can feel it yeah. in your tum tum a lot faster, too. But uh, vanilla is good ice cream, like, regardless of it. Like, plain vanilla ice cream to me, even if you just Fine. put a touch of milk in it, too, uh, so it crystallizes, it's perfect. Like,. Uh, vanilla milkshake, always want it. Chocolate always needs the most help when it comes to ice creams. Chocolate always needs nuts. Chocolate always needs nougats or peanut butter or, you know, something that's it's put in there. It's like, oh, this is a nice little bounce of flavor back and forth. Vanilla is perfect. And I hate the term that it's boring as vanilla. He's this, he's that, he's whatever. Vanilla is good. We shouldn't treat vanilla like it's just same old, same old just because everybody buys it for uh you know birthday cake and puts the vanilla ice cream next to the birthday cake which you just shouldn't have cake you should have a sunday bar if you're going to do anything like that so uh that's that's my take on it anyway give me
1: either french vanilla or go to coldstone and get the their peanut butter chocolate ice cream oh, that man. yeah peanut butter is. chocolate ice cream is the shit yeah yeah <laughs> that
0: that peanut butter, peanut butter ribbon that just stays there on some of the other on the turkey hill ones too oh it's there delicious go. it's delicious